0: And now, here's the latest Team Building Podcast. Hi, Jeff Cohn here with another episode of the Team Building Podcast, where we interview top team leaders, broker owners, and thought leaders from across the country. Today, we have a very special episode. It's a solo episode hosted by me, myself, and I, focused on the topic of culture. The first Thursday of every month, our elite real estate systems coaching product rolls out a topic, one of the top 12 topics that we feel is in line with growing and scaling a dominant real estate business. Next month, the topic is going to be specific to culture. And it's interesting. It's a buzzword and a cliche. But as I think about my last 15 years across all the different businesses I've touched, what really makes them different? What sets them apart from all of the other good businesses that are out there. And I think the good to great, the big difference maker is the people and how the people are treated and how they feel when they come into work. And to me, that is what's representative of culture. It's a a difficult thing to create. It's obviously an easy thing to talk about. And so, today, for the next 15 or 20 minutes, I'd like to share some techniques, some formulas that I feel worked well for us in the past that we're continuing to implement today and into the future to help improve our company culture across all of the different businesses that I touch, to help make people feel good, and of course, make more money in less time with less energy. So, a lot of my mindset behind culture started after reading a book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lincioni. This probably goes back more than 10 years. Um, after reading the book, I invited my team to read the book. We had probably six people on the team at the time. And one of the things that I discovered in this book was that not every person is meant for every role. And at the same time, I was investigating personality tests, like the DISC test that a lot of people talk about, Miles Briggs, and the list goes on and on and on. And most personality tests will put people into four main categories. Um, Usually they have their dominant and then their secondary trait. And the disk test had me categorized as a 99D, 99I. Um, A lot of operators, uh, people behind the scenes are going to be high SC. A lot of real estate agents who are interacting with people every day, but yet they want consistency are going to be ISs. And then, of course, your driver in any industry has the D um, personality attached to it. Well, what I learned when it comes to culture is that every personality trait wants different things, or at least they think they do. And a lot of people join an organization for the reason they think they joined the organization, but they stay because of the culture that's created inside the organization. There will always be other opportunities for people. People will recruit your top agents. People will recruit your top lenders. People will recruit talent that's inside your organization, and they will always offer them more money. But it's not just about the money. It's about becoming the best version of yourself. And so when it comes to culture, if you've created a culture that allows individuals that join your organization to plug in and become something different in your world versus the world that someone else is inviting them into, they will never leave you. And that might be something you want to rewind and listen to. Um, The book, uh, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, talks about the seat that you're on on the bus. And ensuring that if you are in a seat that you know creates friction, meaning it's not your natural state, it's an adaptive state, which DISC unpacks this a little bit, you're only going to last so long. So when people go from one career to another or from one company to another, it's usually because they're not in a natural state. They're in an adaptive state and they're being forced to be something that they're not and that's only going to last so long. So it's important that we, first and foremost, get to know who we are by self-actualizing and being honest when we look at ourselves in the mirror and that we put ourselves in the right seat. And the right seat to me is the seat where you can make the most amount of money in the least amount of time with the least amount of energy. And I've personally chosen, and this comes along with the culture that we've created across all of our businesses, that everyone should always be striving to become better. And not just with how much money they make, but with their personal relationships, with their physical health, with their mental health, with their personal time, their hobbies, the list goes on and on. And everybody can say that that's what they're trying to do. But the way we spend our time, if I were to look at your calendar today, the way you time block your day, it'll probably paint a picture of your culture that you've created for yourself to what's most important to you. And most people that I've found, uh, most people that have shared their calendars with me stack too much work, in my opinion, too much active role time to make money. Because the societal download, I think, is that money... Creates happiness. Money equals happiness. And what money actually equals is freedom. And I think oftentimes we think we need millions and millions of dollars to have freedom. And it's that's actually a lie. Um, depending on who you are, I love, I always reference the movie Office Space. There's a scene where one of the main characters says he wants to have a million dollars. And his neighbor next door is like, You don't need a million dollars. My nephew doesn't have any money and doesn't do anything at all. He just lays on the couch and you know, whatever. Of course, the nephew doesn't have freedom to go travel to Dubai on a, on a private plane and spend three weeks there riding elephants. So there is going to be that relationship where you have to be realistic about what do you actually want out of life. And why I talk about all of this is we speak to this very point when it comes to our culture because we want each person within all organizations to first define their why. What makes them tick? Why are they showing up every day? Why are they even talking about time blocking or taking personality tests or getting into the office at a certain time and leaving at a certain time? Why are they dealing with the stress that's created by an active role where you're actually doing work versus passive income where other people or other things are working for you? And it comes down to one's why. And it's the hardest thing I think to define is what's it all for. Everybody knows that there's gonna be a day that they're no longer here. So what are we doing this for? And if people can define that and actually believe in what they define and then create images that represent their why. So it could be the trip to Dubai. One of my things was a trip to Alaska with my mom and dad. And I ended up getting to take two of my three kids as well, two years ago. And that was one of my why's. I wanted to take my parents on this epic trip that we would never forget. Um, I have a lot of other things on my list. It's been material things like cars, houses, boats, but it's also been experiences, which today that matters more to me than any physical material thing I've ever owned. Um, both material things and experiences will go away. Um, of course, the people that were a part of it will remember them until they pass. But life is short. And so culturally, we wanted to create an environment that help people first discover who they are, discover what they want, make uh, literally a vision board, um, a representation that they could share with the world of what they wanted to achieve by being in our world. And it could have been, like I said, the trip to Dubai, saving money for kids college, whatever it is, it's not for us to tell the people in our world it's for them to define for themselves and then have a quantitative process to realize if they're actually getting closer to that target goal or further away. So if my goal was taking all of my extended family to Disney World, I first would need to do the research to find out how much would that cost. Let's say it's $50,000. I then would need to have a process in place for every commission check that came in or every mortgage I wrote or whatever the business I was in that I would keep $1,000 to go towards the Disney World trip. So I would know it would take me 50 checks or however you wanted to quantify it to get to the Disney trip. And then as a success manager who leads those within their organization to success, I'm gonna sit down with them and not only am I gonna check in on them to see if they followed up with their clients and making their calls and doing all the other activities or key performance indicators that they need to do to hit their goals, I'm gonna check in with them on everything that's on their vision board. If they want to lose weight, are they eating in such a way or working out in such a way that allows them to do that? If they want to get better with their mental health, are they meeting with a therapist? Are they reading self-help books? Are they taking time for themselves to meditate or whatever the case is for them to become a better version of themselves? Um, there's a great book I'll also recommend. And I know I've talked about it on the show before called The Dream Manager. And it's a, it's a true story about a gentleman who owned a janitorial company with over 700 employees and I don't want to steal a lot of the fun parts of the book, but in a nutshell, what this person discovered was that if he could hire life coaches and financial planners, he called them dream managers, who met with his employees once or twice a month, he would be able to help lead them to achieving their dreams. And thus, some people would stay in his world forever. Others simply used his world as a stepping stone to go out and launch their own business or go out and pursue their dream. Either way, he realized, and I've realized, that your company is a vehicle to allow people to become the best version of themselves while making more money in less time with less energy. And that to me is what culture is all about. Uh, We built out an office in Omaha, Nebraska that we're in today. Uh, The build out was done in 2020. We moved in in August of 2020. Everyone remembers what happened in 2020. Um, Our office was built as a hybrid tech powered office of the future, it's 15,000 square feet, Uh, We have all the latest, greatest technology to allow for virtual conferencing, six full tech conference rooms with 55 inch flat screens, 4K and set cameras, mics. It's the most beautiful office in the world, but the office without people obviously is nothing. And the idea behind the office is I wanted, when I say hybrid, I wanted to give agents and admin and ancillary businesses the option to never have to come to work if they didn't want to if they didn't have to, to be able to do every function of a mortgage person, title person, insurance person, real estate agent, um, investor, coaching company, every facet of our industry, they could do it from home. And this was all designed pre-COVID. So you can imagine when COVID-19 hit, we had created a culture that allowed for individuals to meet with clients virtually. We created an environment that not only allowed for it, but praised someone not being able to physically come into the office, and which happens all the time. You'll have a client that just can't come in and sign because they're on the other side of town or on the other side of the world. But our, office physical, our office's physical environment created a culture that allowed for the pandemic to hit and anyone and everyone within the organization to work virtually. Um, also, other types of culture for success, uh, I think formulas that we've seen year after year, as we've traveled the world, we've seen thousands of businesses um, thousands of real estate teams and brokerages operating anyone and everyone that has a weekly meeting, a weekly account. You can call it accountability meeting or training, a uh, weekly check-in, whatever you want to call it. They always seem to be closer than teams that don't. And I've heard agents and team leaders and brokers say, I don't want to have a meeting where everyone has to go. Well, no one has to go. No one, you don't ever know. Do we want to have to do anything? We got into real estate because we wanted independence. We were done having people tell us what to do. So we wanted to create a culture where people didn't have to do anything, but they wanted to do it because they had bought into the idea that once they became self-actualized, they defined their why, they created a vision board with key performance indicators that backed it up so that they could actually realize their dreams if they didn't go to the weekly meeting, or if they didn't go to their one-on-one with their coach, their life coach, or they didn't go to the call night, or they didn't go fill in the blank, they started buying in to the idea that they wouldn't achieve the item on their board. So much so, and Dana, who's producing this episode, is sitting here with me as a talk. that when I would go through each agent and they would stand up, they'd have to report to us what their call goal was that week. And each person in our organization created their own call goal. And it was all based on the income that they wanted to generate based on the their why and the things they wanted to check off their vision board. So one agent would want to make $25,000 a year while another might wanted to make $500,000 a year. It wasn't my job as team leader to define how much income they needed to generate. It was my job to help them discover their why behind the time and energy they were putting towards their career and how much income they'd need to generate to realize their dreams. And then exactly the key performances that they had to execute on every week, every month, every year to get the result, to get the income so that they could start checking things off their vision board. So in our world, we found in Omaha, Nebraska, Um, at an average sales price, about 250,000, someone needed to sell around 30 houses a year to make a six figure income. So just using that for the math, just to make this simple, we knew it took five phone calls, cold calls to get one person to answer and 10 people to answer to get one person to agree to an appointment and three people to agree to appointments to get one person to execute a contract. And the math broke down to about 150 call attempts equaled one executed contract. So then all I have to do is reverse engineer the numbers to determine how many calls somebody needs to make every week to make 100,000 a year or 200,000 a year. And the numbers always floated around about 100 calls a week, 103.5 to be exact, to be able to generate a six-figure income. You want to make 200 grand, double your calls. Or you want to make 200 grand, hire callers hire agents, build a team, step out of the active roles, start focusing on passive roles. So there's a lot of different ways to get there. But in a nutshell, we wanted agents to take responsibility, which ag- again, aligns with our culture. And so when I would go around the room and I'd say, you know, Andrew, please report your numbers. Andrew would stand up. He'd say, my call goal was a hundred calls. I actually made 72 calls. I talked to 27 people. I went on three appointments. I executed one buy side. I took one new listing. I spent five hours prospecting. And then he'd sit down. And the success manager would be listening and he would type in all of the data that was just shared so that we had a a board that would give us the results of each person's activities that previous week. But I think the question that I would always ask and then Andy Cuny, our new success manager, would always ask that I think really hit home for people and I think is most aligned with our culture than anything else, is if someone didn't hit their call goal Like in that pretend scenario where Andrew only hit 70 out of 100 calls. I hope Andrew listens to this, by the way. There is an Andrew in our world. I would say, Andrew, what would you like to take off your vision board? And I'd stare him in the eye and no one would laugh. In the beginning, it was funny. And then it became real. It's like, wow, that's fascinating. You connect people's activities with the result that they're going to have, with the things they say are most important to them. They promise their friends, their family, their significant others, their pets, that they're going to do these key performance indicators and they're going to track it. And they're going to generate revenue to create freedom that allows them to check things off their vision board. But if they don't do the activity that they promised themselves they're going to do, then the consequence or the reward or the result won't be there. So which result do you not want there? Which thing that you said you wanted in this life is no longer available to you? and it makes it real, it stings. And that sting, that reality that we create, that culture that we've created together, is what I believe has helped KW Elite, Omaha's Elite Real Estate Group, the Cone Team, become what it is today. Going from 70 to over 700 sales in just six years, while working at an independent brokerage in Omaha and then Berkshire Hathaway. And now going from 30 agents to over 200 agents, a um, hundred million, to over a half a billion in sales in 18 months amidst a pandemic. And we continue to grow and we continue to attract talent and all of our ancillary businesses have exploded and taken off. And I believe the number one thing is the culture that we've created. Um, we treat people like family. It's not just talk. If someone wants something, I'm always here. All of our leadership listen. We're not the best. We make mistakes. Anyone listening right now could be rolling their eyes saying, that's not how it is. It's our intention that that's how it is. It's what we desire. And I don't think anyone can ever question it. We're not perfect. We make mistakes all the time. We, we fall short all the time. We disappoint people in our world all the time. So I, w- I wouldn't want anyone to listen to this and go, oh, wow, they've got it all figured out. We do have some of the main pieces figured out. But we still make mistakes too. And I think part of our culture is to admit that we're not perfect, but that we'll do our best to become a better version of ourselves in every facet, in every area. So um, a leader's heart, I believe, and this is a quote I've said a lot of times, is that true leaders serve their followers by giving them the ability to be just like them. And I want to wrap up this podcast by inviting anyone listening to focus on the people in your world. And it's your significant other, it's your kids, it's your pets, it's your Um, cousins, your moms, dads, aunts, uncles, stepmoms, and dads, but your employees, the people that look at you as their leader, you have the ability, you can become the vehicle that allows them to define their dream, to find out what their why is, to create their key performance indicators of what their activity needs to be every day, every week, every month, every year, to generate the revenue, to create the freedom, to allow them to live their very best life. And for anyone that's in an active role, not, not creating a team and not expanding their knowledge base and focusing on themselves, I think it's a really empty, selfish life. Um, I know a lot of people that fall into that category. Yes, they make great money, but they're doing it alone. And they're not affecting change for anyone around them other than the clients that they serve. And we, as leaders, have a great opportunity to affect change for the people that follow us, affect change for the people that listen to us, affect change for the people that trust in us, to be true leaders, to be shepherds and not wolves for the sheep that are following. And it's my wish that those that listen to this, that are able to lead as true leaders and serve the people in their world, will give all of those people the ability to one day also lead others. And there's no greater satisfaction that I gain. There's no greater reward than to watch people take the advice that we share on this podcast within our coaching company, apply it in their business, and watch people live and lead their very best lives that's what this is all about. So we really appreciate you guys listening to our podcast. Uh, We'd love to invite you to check out more information about upcoming events. We're actually hosting a team building workshop in Omaha, Nebraska. It's a two-day event. We do investing, team building, how to build investment teams, um, real estate teams. And we even touch on how to launch mortgage companies, title companies, insurance companies, investment companies, and the list goes on and on. If you want more information about that, just go out to growwithers.com. That event's in September, I think September 19th and 20th. And then, of course, we'd love to invite you to our team leader coaching platform. Um, I think we have a deal right now. It's three months, 50% off. So you join for $500 a month. It's month to month. Cancel anytime. We talk about the 12 pillars of building and scaling a dominant real estate business. We actually have a guide for free. If, again, you want to go out to that website and download our guide, it shows you the 12 main topics, RS.com, one of which is culture. Every Monday, Wednesday, we do agent training for your agents. That's free of charge. Every Tuesday, we do investor training free of charge. Every Thursday, we do high-level team leader training, which me and my uh, Andy CUNY do that. And that's part of the, the product. And then we also have added ancillary business training where we're coaching your strategic partners in mortgage title and insurance on how to build and scale their team. So again, would love for anyone that's found this valuable and aligns with our thought process and our culture that we've created here, we'd like to invite you to our ERS family. Come check it out. Um, I know that we're coming into the second, or sorry, leaving the second quarter and rounding into the third. I think the, with interest rates going up, things will start to kind of slow down and neutralize. And I think there's going to be a lot of time this fall to rededicate yourself to growing your business next year and scaling. And I believe Elite Real Estate Systems has the answers to help people take their businesses and their lives to the next level. So come partner with us and allow us to partner together to build our best lives so that we can become something new every single day. Thank you.